You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you ever thought, is quality scalable in dentistry? Well, I have two of the greatest clinical minds in all of dentistry, Dr. Christian Coachman and one of the best dentists in the world, Dr. Tal Moore. And they have this conversation. You have to listen to this. I know you'll enjoy it and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know the jam here. We get to interview some of the best minds in dentistry and ask some great questions to help you create a better practice and a better life. And in our continuing series with Dr. Christian Coachman, we're bringing on some of the best thinkers and technicians and leaders in all of dentistry to talk about some of these topics. And today we're going to be talking about is quality scalable in dentistry with Dr. Talmore. Yes, we finally got him. So, Christian, I would love for you to do the honors and introduce our awesome guest today. Okay, I think that maybe, probably, hopefully, most of the people already heard about Tao. Tao is one of the, in my humble opinion, one of the best clinicians I know in North America, for sure. A speaker, gives lectures all over, uh, and uh, used to have an amazing technician around 15 years ago. That was me. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, I had the honor to work with Tal when I was uh, still a ceramist. Uh, we, we did work together for a few years. It was amazing. Uh, and he's on my top three list of best prosthodontists in the world. Uh, I always mention this. and uh, But also, he has a very specific style of practice. And this is why we decided to pick this topic when inviting him. Is quality in dentistry scalable? Because I believe that this is a question that I've been asking myself, you know, when I started with DSD, when I started to develop ideas that would probably hope DSOs, would probably hope people to expand. Uh, and many people did expand their businesses through the DSD ideas. And I and I always challenged myself and question myself about what is this line between quality and expansion 
uh, how far you can go growing and keeping that original super high quality. And I think Tao is a perfect person to talk about this because even though he does dentistry for many, many years, um, he's older than he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, kept his strategy very, very solid and uh, his quality is still absolutely the same. So I want to talk to him about all of these topics and the dilemma between growing and staying where we are in terms of size and quality. So Tal, first of all, thank you so much you for being us. here. And Pleasure. yeah, always great to talk to you and your initial thoughts about this dilemma, this question that I'm placing here. You know, I, I think that as a dentist, a young dentist, I think the first decision you have to make is what is your ultimate objective? Because there's really no right or wrong. There are two paths you can yeah. take. There's the path of trying to achieve the highest quality, or there's a path of just practicing, building the quantity of patients that you have, uh, relaying a, a nice average dental uh, scope in your practice and making your patients happy. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you have to make that decision because what I've always told the people that are the young people that I speak to, I said, if your objective is to build your name and build yourself as one of the top clinicians, everything you do is a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. Meaning when I started, every filling of mine was perfect. Every crown of mine was expensive and done perfectly. And I remember when, when I first started, I worked for a guy and he said to me, you're freaking crazy. I said, why do you say that? He says, you spend way too much time on the patient. You spend way too much money on the technician. You're too picky. But what happened was everything that I did became represented in my community. How? Yeah. Because my patients went to see other Specialists, they went to see other dentists, they saw my work, they said, wow, who did this? Who did this? Who did this? And I built my reputation that way. Okay. If you start on the average or below average route, which is there's no right or wrong, you will not differentiate yourself from anybody else. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. also never, never use a laboratory technician local. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I sent away so that I would be different than everybody else. Because ultimately, if I do the best preps, the best temps, the patient's going to see and everybody else is going to see the final work, the laboratory mm -hmm. work versus somebody yep. else that butchered the teeth, but they have the same lab, it's the same thing. So, so you have to differentiate yeah. yourself. So at the end of the day, uh, it did pay off uh, financially. You, you run a successful practice. Right. And you have a great lifestyle because you are a great dentist. But you know, I see. Uh, but there, there are there are issues with it. Yes, that right. so it's not easy emotionally and physically to do this level of dentistry for so many years. It's a hard decision, right? And 
we are not here to judge the the the, the dentist that decided to to go more business oriented, right? Uh, but I see the difference. I know all kinds of dentists. I know you know two ethical dentists wanting to do the best. One is completely focused on the clinical quality, and the other is more focused towards the business. And right. and you can see the difference on their decisions. And I was always, you know, and it, it's nice to see the ones that are business driven, they usually make more money, you know, they usually make more money and they find ways uh, to multiply themselves and to scale a little bit, even with quality, you know. So you see people that were able to find a formula to expand, to open two, three locations, to hire more associates a nice formula, a nice ethical formula of doing good dentistry and scaling and making more money. But the question here is, and this is a question that I started to ask myself. I understand, you know, it's it's an option. You can go for super boutique, you can go for bigger, whatever. My question was, what is the gold standard? If I wanted to do a full mouth rehabilitation on myself, right? Would I go to that friend that is a very good dentist, very ethical, but runs five offices, very successful and makes a lot of money? Or would I want to go to my other friend? They're both great friends, both great dentists, but the, the other friend that decided to stay on a certain size that allows him to take care of the details to the highest level possible. And of the patient to take care of yeah. the patient in, in a, care, yeah. instead of running from room to room, focusing and doing and giving everything we have to our patients. A more customized relationship. Yeah, exactly. of, yeah. So, so you have, so I, I saw these two models. Yeah. What did you I'm, choose? And uh, uh, of course, for me, if I'm going to do a full mouth rehabilitation on me, I know who I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose the one that decided to make a little bit less money but focused on every single detail, every single experience, every single aspect of quality, right? My question here is if you have these two sides, there's a line in between and you can maybe grow the volume of patients. You maybe can go from two chairs to three chairs, maybe four chairs. You can even maybe have one super good associate that you're training and doing some steps for you. Uh, but where do you think is this line when if you grow a little bit more, you start to drop quality? So that's a, that's a very good question. But before I even talk about that, mm -hmm. I want to talk about there's two ways to grow. Right? Mm -hmm. One is to see more people, have more dentists, and just do volume. Yeah. And the other is to increase your pricing. Yes. How do you get that to has that? a ceiling that has a ceiling It has a ceiling, but how do you increase? How do you get to the point where you can increase your pricing? It's mm -hmm. based on building your reputation, reputation. As one of the top people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you're absolutely right. It has a ceiling. So, it all comes down. You probably hit that ceiling. You probably hit that ceiling. When, when did you hit? I'm the still raising my fees. Okay. I raise them all the time. Okay. 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 But uh, beyond, beyond, 
normal beyond i'm beyond normal no no beyond it's it you're literally becoming more expensive as your reputation is growing yes but it's for two reasons one is to obviously be compensated Mm -hmm. for the effort and experience and time i invest and the second is to limit i'm not you know a lamborghini is not for everybody right Okay, so I'm not for everybody. And I tell patients, they say, wow, you're so expensive. And I said, you know what? I'm not for everybody. But if you want me to give you my heart and my soul, which I do for every patient, that's what it's going to cost you. And it's giving you my experience as well. Mm -hmm. Now, where is the fine line? You know, I believe that there's different personalities in dentistry. For me, I'm a control freak. Okay. If I expand too much, I have an associate, by the way, that I'm trying to control the situation and I can't, even with one associate. I just can't control it. So that, in a sense, Mm -hmm. is stress for me. And I don't need more stress in my life. I have Mm -hmm. enough stress. (laughs) As you expand, as you grow, as you bring in more people, there is much higher stress. There is less control. There's, um, it's just another animal, which mm-hmm. I don't even, that's why for me, that's not even an option for me. I don't yeah. want to do that. Now, what is the negative of that? That my practice is built on me. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And my practice is me. People come here for me. I haven't, what I should have done, a huge mistake that I made was in the beginning, I should have brought someone with me. I should have had associates. I should have trained them. So we would grow together as a unit. Then you can multiply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, if but I would, will drop because. But if I have the ability to train them for years, for years, I believe that I could, it will drop to a certain degree because they're not me, but they may be even better than me. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I believe that you're, and we talked about this too, that you're, you're either going to be able to do it or you're not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to a certain level. But I believe that I should have, if I, if I, when I think back, what I should have done is develop associates with me throughout this whole process. But, but I think that y- you mastered your model and you're taking it to the highest level possible. I don't, right. I don't, but I have a ceiling, as you said. Yeah. But, you know, that was the choice uh, that you made. And I think it was a brave choice and a beautiful choice of sticking with the highest quality possible, right? Yeah. No compromises, no compromises. Every single decision is towards the highest possible quality, period, right? And, and we know that that's not necessarily the best business model. That's what it is, right? That's what it is. So let's give, just to give a little bit of perspective on this, let's do a little x-ray on your practice, on your model. So how many many dental chairs you have? I have four dental chairs. Four dental chairs. Dentist, you said it's you and one more associate, right? How many assistants? I have three assistants three assistants and they they rotate with you and with the other associate yes and i have one hygienist i have two hygienists but you know one day each one so three assistants and two hygienists or but my hygiene isn't 
isn't like a general dental practice because my volume is lower than a general uh-huh. dental. So they come a few days. And then you have what? One more front desk, one manager, one treatment coordinator? No. I have one front desk and I have my wife who does the bills. That's it. It's the model. As lean as it can be. It's lean. It's and lean. I can tell you, if whatever you grow beyond this in terms of size and volume revenue will probably have an impact on the quality right that yeah, you, sure would. that and and this is the, the 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 thinking process that i've been having with myself since five six seven years you know as i've been i've been teaching dentists on how to grow on how to multiply on how to scale on how to delegate you know and that's why I started this discussion with myself on, on but if I would, had to pick a dentist to go and do a full mouth rehabilitation myself, where would I go, right? But think about this, Christian. It not only has an effect on the clinical level, but it has an effect on the customer service. Can you imagine that my patients, they know everybody in the office, mm-hmm. They know my front desk. They have incredible relationships with my practice. They're mm-hmm. like a family. Mm-hmm. I, went, I know you know this story, but I actually went to another practice for to try it out because my friends have this very successful big practice with 20 people working there. And I lasted six months. And every one of my patients told me, why would you even think about changing your style of practice we love your office mm-hmm. we love the we love the family uh, ambiance we love the the connections that we have mm-hmm. we like this business model mm-hmm. let's put it mm-hmm. that way yeah. it was yeah. a more of a business practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i realized myself within two weeks in my gut i said this is not for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So, so I don't really have the answer because I did exactly what I mm. wanted to do. I had a vision. I've achieved my goal. Uh, and I enjoy my small practice, my boutique practice of high-level patients. <clears throat> and the only way, again, the only way I'm capped out unless I raise my fees. That's mm. it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the only way I can grow. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and. No, I'm glad there are people out there still doing this type of dentistry because this is what gives us the gold standard of what can be the ideal dentistry out there, right? And everything is trying to aim towards that direction. The, now, from the procedures that you do, so if a new patient comes, uh, what are the things that you believe you can delegate and what are the things that you want to do it yourself? In a because I I called it your type of practice of three star Michelin. It's a very, very good comparison with restaurants, right? The three star Michelin, you cannot grow. It's impossible to control the quality. It depends on the chef, on the superstar chef, and the superstar chef will maybe try to make more money opening opening a franchise with a different name, etc. But that Michelin only gets the three star because that chef is in charge every single day doing over and over again 
and making sure that the quality is exactly the same every day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the customer support is 10 times better. You feel special from minute one all the way to the end. So your type of practice for me is the three-star Michelin dental practice, right? Uh, how do you, uh, what are the things that you believe are key uh, for you to continue to do to keep this quality? And what are the things that you believe you could delegate to an associate? That's a very good question. Um, you know, <laughs> initial interview, you yes. do all of them. Of course, of course. Clinical yeah. examination. Here's 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 the the main issue. Okay, it gets to a point where I'm working now more than I've ever worked before. Okay, I have to work Fridays because I have nowhere to put people. I'm booked out for three months. So it gets to the point where I cannot even accept all new patients. So my associate benefits from that because she can see Mm -hmm. the new patients. Mm -hmm. But I am involved in the initial evaluation of the patient. I introduce myself. Even on the cases that she's doing. Yes, I examine the... I, I examine the patient after she, she comes and tells me what's going on to help in, help guide her and help to explain in detail to the patient what mm-hmm. the findings are. Because and it's mm-hmm. And you help with the, the, the diagnostics and the planning of the case. Of course, of course. Yeah. But you know that I've also have 30 years experience mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. to patients. And that's something that takes years to develop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's key. That's key. So, I mean, as far as delegating, I mean, mm. my girls do all the initial, you know, the impressions, digital uh, CBCTs, yeah. internal scans, all the information that I need. Impression I, of preps. Oh, I take that. <laughs> I take that. I take I, I provisionals. I do the provisional. One by one. One by one. The provisional is key. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you want to achieve a certain level, you have to control all the variables. I even now, do, yeah. because of your reputation, uh, of course, you're attracting more and more people that need full mouth rehabilitations, right? right? People don't come for a cleaning. People don't come for a single crown. Uh, some do. Some do. Um, I wish more did, but I can tell you that unfortunately I've developed a practice which is based on full mouth rehabilitation and problem cases that no one else can manage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's also tough emotionally and physically. Very, very, very tough emotionally and physically. Very even if you framing everything, yeah, everything by the book, we know for me prostodontics is by far the most stressful specialty in dentistry, by far. If, if you had chosen orthodontics or just doing surgeries and implants, I see the, the level of headache and the level of unexpected problems is much smaller. Prostodontics, even the best, best dentist, best technician, so many things can still go wrong. Listen, I have a whole lecture, a whole day lecture. It's called Shit Happens in Dentistry. (laughs) Because that's the reality. Every day you have to deal with something else and you have to figure out a way out. And we Mm -hmm. do. That's what we do. 
but you still have to be able to diagnose and to treatment plan. Yeah. If you can't do that, you'll never achieve the highest level. So it's almost like saying that, and, and dental students should know that beforehand, right? To choose prosthodontics, to choose restorative dentistry and, and to take it to the next level and to make it very well. It's almost like you need to be, be already a certain profile of personality 100%. with a certain prof, uh, skill set of artistic skills and hand skills. It, you need to have that even before entering dental school. You know, some people, they, uh, because use what the disasters that we see in restorative dentistry are much bigger than the, in the other specialties, in my opinion. Listen, um, just because you're a prosthodontist doesn't mean you have those skill levels. So no. I, I treat a lot of horrible cases done by even prosthodontists. No. It's, it's, I agree with you 100%. You need to have that mindset and the skill set before the you- package. That package before you even think about it because it's really, really hard. It's grueling. It's draining mentally and physically. Um, I used to think, would I, would I have chosen something else? <laughs> the answer is yes and no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, because I know what it's like to do what I do, but no, because I really love what I do. Uh -huh. Good at it. Uh -huh. Um. So it's kind of a psychological issue that I have, I believe. You have to be a certain personality. You like to suffer. <laughs> you have to have a certain personality yep. to do what we do. And that's it. No, you, you are definitely born for this. You were born for it. And, and um, you know, some somebody has to take that job, right? Somebody has to do it, right? Although, but, you know, the comparison, you know, sometimes I remember as a dental technician because... When I say that prosthodontics is the worst specialty in dentistry, I include the technician. So oh, the right. work of the prosto and the work of the technician, it's really insanely difficult, right? Li the lifestyle is complicated. You know, the number of nights that I spent in the lab fixing problems that I didn't expect at all, you know, the back and forth and the, 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 the fact that you need to deal with a completely different level of emotions from the patient. Right, it's it's different than doing a surgery, placing an implant, also integrate it. Cool, go to the prosthodontist. Yeah. Right, you do the orthodontics. Oh, everything is aligned. You have occlusion, class one, fantastic. Now go to restore your teeth. Surgery is by far the best specialty there is. You see the patient, they pay you a lot of money, you do your procedure, and they say goodbye. Occasionally, you have a problem here and there. Uh, but everything heals, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's not the final procedure that is going to dictate the way they're going to face the society, right? Right. Who who is the final ultimate responsible person? If I cannot smile to my friends, is your fault, your not fault. the surgeon's fault. Your fault. And you know, part of my lecture, this shit happens lecture. I thought about this for years. You know, I used to get so pissed that they would send me these crazy cases that I had to do miracles. And then I realized the reality is we actually have the most control of anybody, right? 
because they have a biologic limitation and they mm-hmm. have a biologic impact of everything they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? Or I'm yeah. talking orthodontics as well. I mean, post-op recession, losing of teeth, mm-hmm. uh, external root resorption, internal root resorption, yeah. all these things. But ultimately, it comes to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to get upset of seeing these disasters and trying to fix them. But ultimately, really, it's our responsibility. That's that's the reality. That's the But why? I always ask myself, why surgeons can charge more for their surgeries? Yeah, than... That makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. That makes no Thank sense. You. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The involvement. Absolutely no sense. The accountability, you know, the 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 relationship with the so the the prosthodontist or even a super restorative GP, right? That it's facing the same similar challenges. You you have to play the quarterback. You see the patient coming to you. You refer to the specialists. You need to manage emotionally the patient on the way there and on the way back afterwards. And whatever didn't go ideal with ortho and perio, you need to overcome magical optical illusion uh, solutions and playing with the ceramist. And then at the end of the day, if it's not exactly what the patient wants, the patient internally, emotionally, We'll have a good feeling about the surgeon. We'll have a good feeling about the orthodontist and a bad feeling about the prosthodontist. Crazy. It is crazy. You're 100% right, though. So have you ever thought about bringing on board uh, a surgeon and a, a orthodontist so you could capitalize on on the whole so, process? So I actually do a lot of... You mentioned... You just you mentioned that one the only way you can grow financially is raising your fees, right? The other way is increasing your average ticket price, right? Yes. So because I was sending so much out, because I was losing control, I started doing my own surgeries probably 15 years ago. So now I have full control. I charge So you do all your various you do your implants and your grafts? Correct. Everything. I do everything except for very complex cases that I don't want to uh-huh. be involved in. I send out, I have good relationships with my surgeons. They sometimes even do large sinus lifts for me and I place the implants because we have an understanding of what uh-huh. we're capable of doing. And I can control the whole case much better that way. And financially, mm-hmm. it's much more lucrative because yeah. the, the it doesn't make any sense. A surgery to place an implant takes 10 minutes. It costs $2,350 for an implant in my area. Some people charge $2,500. How much can you charge for an implant crown? The lab charges you $1,000. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started doing it myself. Yep. Orthodontically, very difficult. Very difficult to control. Very difficult because orthodontists, they get crazy busy. Patients get tired. It never goes to fruition, what you're envisioning. Very difficult to control. Um, I don't have one in my office because I use the best people out there. And even then, I have to guide them throughout the whole trip. So it's a huge responsibility. It is the quarterback. Yes. The quarterback, usually on the NFL, they make more money than everybody else. Yes. It's not the orthodontists and surgeons make more than me, but they yeah, take, I know that's what I'm okay. saying. 
It's all good for me. I don't care. It was yeah. never about the money for me. No, just question, you know, playing the devil. Oh, no, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Now, how many how many new patients do you see per month? Average. It varies. I would say maybe 15 to 20 patients. 15 to 20 patients. Yeah, there's a of, lot of, of rehabs. Yes, that's what I'm 15 to 20. You have no idea how many I have going right now. It's in two thirds of them are full mouth, right? Or big or complex rehabilitation. Yes. And you know what the you know what my another limitation that I have? Mm -hmm. Laboratory support. I have six technicians that cannot keep up with my work. That I don't know where to send my work at that level. Can you imagine? Yeah, I can. It's very frustrating for me. Yeah, yeah. So several bottlenecks, but if, let's say you said if fifteen to twenty patients, right? Yeah, but I have stuff going on already. Yeah, no, no. so that look, fifteen to twenty. Let's just guess that ten of them are very complex, big cases, and these complex, big cases usually stay with you at least for three months, four months. What do you mean? Of three. What do you mean? I, of mean, treatment. Oh, it's longer oh, no. than three months. Longer than three months. My cases take anywhere, simple case, six months to three years. So imagine this six months, 15. That means that in every given month, you are managing six times 16, 16, 90 complex cases per month are at one certain point of the treatment. Approximately, yes, yes. So it's, it's good that you didn't go crazy yet. You're still kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to manage. I'm trying to balance. Yeah, but, it's hard. It's hard to manage. The, the main issues are, one, laboratory support. Two, space to put these people in. Why? Because I need very long appointments. Yeah. Right? I can't stick them in for an hour. I have to do a full upper preparation, provisionalization, four hours. So I'm finding problems, scheduling, finding the space for them. They're getting angry because they have to wait two, three months to uh, get. I'm finding yeah. problems with the laboratory, finding someone that can keep up with the work that I have. So uh -huh. now I'm trying to figure out how I go to the next level and still maintain that quality. Good luck with that. I can let me make you feel a little bit worse now. We're talking about. Every given month, you have around 100 complex full mouth rehabilitations to manage. Some are starting, some are ending, but in average, 100 people coming, you know, to you somehow, you know, or even if they don't come that month, you know, you're managing the yeah, process, right? Yeah. Uh, now, in average, let's just guess that you have 10 to 20 preps per case. So that means that you are managing 1,500 prepped teeth per month that anything can go wrong, a, a provisional can, can break, you know, a margin can uh, have an issue, the, the soft tissue integration and, and the outcome of the orthodontics and the implant abutment that is, it's insane. And 
that's why I appreciate so much, you know, when you see people working at your level consistently for so many years. Listen, I never said it was easy. Um, and I can't, but I have to say I'm blessed because I've achieved mm-hmm. what I wanted to achieve. Um, but again, I'm limited. I'm only one person. Sometimes patients forget that. Yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult to manage, but but I don't think I'd do it any other way. I don't think my personality would allow that. No, no. I know you. I know you well. Know you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only way. And you did pretty well. Yeah, you, you have know, to be. Yeah. You, listen, we have to be a little twisted to do what we do. Have to be. But that's the art. You need to, as young as possible, you need to identify who you are and what you can do the best, you know? Right. And, and, and you started the, the conversation saying something like, when you start as a young dentist, you need to define what you want to become, right? right. It's, it's like in dentistry, when you start with the diagnostic wax up, you start with the end in mind and then you reverse engineer the treatment plan. With the career is the same. You need to, as young as possible, to identify your strengths, uh, identify where you can differentiate yourself and build a model that will leverage uh, the best side of yourself, right? Right. But understanding that that all the different avenues, although they're different, they're all equal, meaning there's no right or wrong. There's no correct path. It's ultimately what you define as your ultimate goal. And everybody has a different ultimate goal. I had a crazy ultimate goal. Some people say, you know what? I want to make a fortune and I'm going to have 30 practices. That's my goal. That's fine. If that's your goal, you direct your path that way. But you have to realize that what your path is from the beginning. That's but, I can, yeah, but I can tell you that if one day I do need a full mouth in U.S., I would for sure be choosing you to do it. Appreciate it. And and uh, I charge you a lot of money for that. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I'm a, I'm gonna pretend very well that I'm gonna pay you. I'm gonna pretend very well. <laughs> no problem. You don't need a rehab. You never will. That's a good thing for both of us. <laughs> Fantastic, my friend. Yeah. So. Uh, I think it's very clear, you know, for me, it's very clear that what you have there is the gold standard for me in terms of dentistry, the number of chairs, the number of people, you can't get better than that. I have other few friends, top, top dentists around the world that kept that same thing, same model. So, you know, if, if, and you probably get a lot of dentists that wants to do their work with you. Yeah, I get dentists too, yes. Because... Uh, that's the thing, you know, when you are a dentist, you don't want nobody to touch your teeth, yes. right? Nobody, because you know exactly how but wrong. You know, the the oh. dentists are the worst patients. Yeah. They're nuts. And that's the problem of being very good and very yeah. particular about details that dentists will appreciate that and choose you. It's all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I can't complain. I've, I'm very happy with my life. But anyway... For everybody listening, if you never had a chance to watch Tal's lectures, uh, please try to do it and you will understand exactly what I'm talking about. Hopefully in between many beautiful cases, maybe he can even show one of the old ones that we did together. Um, And uh, yeah, I think that 
the conversation today for me, the importance here is to really understand the balance between financial growth and clinical quality. This is always a dilemma that is only growing in dentistry. And we need to ask ourselves every single day and make sure that we always remember why we choose this profession. And, you know, the pursuit of excellence is beautiful, even if you're not the richest dentist in town. You still can have a great life and be very proud. So I think you should be very proud of the work that you do, Tal. And your final message to everybody here. Live your dream, whatever it is. You know, define it early and follow your path. There's no right or wrong. I don't, I've never judged anybody yep. choosing their path. And everybody has a, a different uh, goal. Mm -hmm. All good. That's, that's my advice. And I'm going to finish with my statement that I started this conversation. In my humble opinion, and again, I don't judge as well, but in my humble opinion, quality in dentistry is not scalable. And every time you grow a little bit, you end up always compromising that gold standard at least a little bit. I agree with that. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.